Welcome back to the Flashpoint Podcast, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. And one thing that gets Philadelphia residents hot under the collar is scandal. And Philadelphia's Sheriff Jewel Williams is up for re-election next year, but he's facing sexual harassment allegations. So multiple folks have already thrown their hats in the ring to challenge him. Two of those individuals are Rochelle Bilal, president of the Guardian Civic League, and Malika Rahman, a former deputy sheriff detective. Now, their candidacies, it's historic because for the first time, two black women are in the race. And if either wins, it'd be a first. With me in the studio to discuss their history-making effort is Rochelle Bilal and Malika Rahman. Ladies, welcome to Flashpoint and to the KYW studios. Thank you. Wonderful. So uh, first, I want to make clear on the record here that this is not a debate. Um, Instead, it's a chance for the public to get to know our two women candidates. So, Rochelle, I want to start with you since you threw your hat in the ring first. Why did you decide to make this historic run? Well, I've been part of the community and a part of the city my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at things that was not working in the community as far as outreach, organizations, units, uh, things in law enforcement. And one thing that bothered me about the sheriff's office that nobody knew anything about what the sheriff did other than negativity. Mm. And so when all the other stuff started coming out, I started, I started talking to my friends, families, and associates and said, you know what, I'm going to run for the sheriff's office because I want to change the narrative in the sheriff's office. Yeah, and just so people know, the sheriff's office deals with sheriff sales, Collection of delinquent taxes, y'all transport uh, prisoners between locations, and uh, among other things. Um, and so, Malika, same question to you. You were in the sheriff's office and decided to throw your hat in the ring. Correct. Uh, the reason for that was more on the basis of encouraging people and letting them know that there is an opportunity mm-hmm. um, for that office to be in a positive light. And I don't think it's that people don't know. I think it's that what people know is inaccurate. I think there's not enough information and access to information about what that office really does and how it impacts the people in every community. Yeah, because evictions is a big thing with the sheriff's office. The only time you really know and see it is when the sheriff show up. You're like, oh, my goodness. And so um, both of you um, have worked in law enforcement for the majority of your careers. what has it been like for work as a woman working in that? And then how do you think as a woman leading an office like the sheriff's office, how do you, what kind of change do you think that that would make from that gender perspective? Um, so first thing is uh, I've only had one female captain since I've been in the sheriff's office. There's only been one since I've been there. That says a lot for leadership and what mm-hmm. leadership looks like as a young female moving up the ranks. Um, in my professional capacities, I've had the ability to work with female leaders that just weren't in my agency. So understanding leadership was cultivated differently. The culture was different. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn my job from men, and I had to put my own aspect on it. That can't happen anymore. There there can't be a cap of the gender of leadership. It has to be offered to people who are qualified, and who can actually do the job and understand the job and can teach that to people coming behind them. Wow. Yeah. And, and I know, Rochelle, you spent years in law enforcement as well. Now um, you leave advocacy groups. Go ahead. Yeah. I've been law enforcement 27 years in policing. But I've, I've studied under men who encourage women 
mm. to do better, to move up. And our organization, the Guardian Civic League, we have study groups that uh, study for all levels in the department. And so, therefore, those who teach there uh, go up through the ranks and they come back and they teach there. And so the men that I've encountered, the good ones, uh, basically encourage women to move forward, go up in the ranks. There have been women in law enforcement all over the country that I've dealt with that have been pretty good as to motivating women like me to get uh, do better in what you want to do in your career. Other than the Guardian Civic League, the NAACP, and the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Officers, we've been pretty good. We just fight against those who just don't want to see women move up. We fight against those who don't want to see people of color move up or do better in their careers in law enforcement. Yeah. So I, I, I continue to do it. It's been my passion. It's been my life. And so that's what we do. Yeah. And I actually realized there are a lot of women in law enforcement oh, yeah. that are. don't always get you know, the shine uh, that they deserve and they're they're constantly serving. So to see two women uh, running for this this position to me is very, very refreshing. Now, both of you are leaders in your community, um, but there's a lot of challenges that the you know, that the sheriff office faces right now, uh, given the fact that the last two administrations had some serious allegations thrown at them. Um, how do you return the the at least appearance of integrity uh, to an office that has so many duties and does come in contact with, with the general public in some of their most vulnerable times? And, and Michelle, <laughs> go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? First of all, by leading in, by example. Mm. Your integrity, your compassion, and your uh, transparency, or really to transform that sheriff office into a more compassionate um, department uh, going in there. Those a lot of the sheriffs there know me. Um, a lot of the people in the community know me. So my focus would be to build that bridge, encourage them to do better, encourage them to move up, and leave avenues open for those who want to move up, especially women in that office, to move up into those positions that will be available for them once I. Um, I become sheriff if I'm elected to be sheriff. Yeah. And I mean, allegations of sexual harassment, corruption. How do you restore integrity? Uh So the the first thing with that is you have to give them something to believe in. Right. The problem is that it's always been a lot of promises that have been empty. So you come in and I can do this and I'm going to restore integrity and I'm going to. Well, you can't restore what you don't have. So you have to have integrity before you walk in the door. You have to be prepared to make some people uncomfortable with changes. You can't go in and just, okay, well, people feel comfortable with me, so this is going to be. No, you're going to make people uncomfortable. You have to be able to examine what works and what doesn't. You have to evaluate people's strengths and weaknesses, move some people around, reposition people to create that opportunity for there to be change and for that change to be positive and not negatively impact the community because that's the biggest thing, right? We serve the community. If we can't fix our own self inside, we can't be effective to the community. So the pro- you first have to stop the em- empty promises. Go in with a plan. Evaluate it. Make sure your plan is effective and put it to work. Yeah. And I know both of y'all are, n- are at the beginnings of this, this stage. And so um, I want people to kind of peel back a little bit, get to know you two. Because I've, I've, both of you have been a guest on Flashpoint. That's why I was like, what? Flashpoint guests out here, and and I personally know you 
um, and I've seen both of you at work. And so tell people a little bit about your background, how you grew up, what attracted you to law enforcement and now like stepping up in the light for the leadership and whoever wants to go first. Yeah. I grew up in North Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't in law enforcement. Matter of fact, I didn't like cops when I was growing up because in North Philly, uh, policing was not a positive to us. But there were people from the Guardian Civic League that came around and said, if you wanted to change the department, you need to be a part of the department. And so a couple of my friends joined first. And then I came into the department. And trust me, no sooner than I walked in the door, racism hit me in my face. Mm. And so at that point, I decided and said to myself that I'm going to change this department. So I'm going to be me. I'm going to do what needs to be done to ensure that people are treated fairly in this institution and around this city. And for the rest of my 27 years in the department, that's basically what I've done. I'm a child from this city, and I have a passion to see to it that people are treated fairly. And so that's basically my life story in law enforcement. And and I don't care what they say. I stand up for what's right. See, a long time ago, I noticed this about me, that God controls my life. So fearing anybody coming at me, fearing people um, threatening me, which I have been in this institution, uh, it's not a fear of mine because I know who controls my life and I'm going to do what is good for everybody. Yeah, I mean, people haven't really been on law enforcement side for quite some time. uh, And I know how it must be for officers of color, especially women uh, during this time. And so uh, tell, tell our folks a little bit about you, Malika. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. I moved to Philly when I was about 14. I went to high school here, graduated, did all of my adult life uh, here in the city. Um, I actually was in social service care. Um, I worked with juvenile sex offenders. I've worked with um, individuals with mental and developmental disabilities. And I took the test to become a CO because I took my friends to go put their paperwork in. And I did not want that job. (laughs) Um, But I was the only one out of all of us that passed the test. So I ended up going. And a CO, correction officer. Correction officer, correct. Um, So I worked at the prisons for three years, and I applied for the sheriff's office. And they told me that I wasn't going to get it. And I did. And I was the first black female to graduate top of her class from the Philadelphia Sheriff's Training Academy. That had never happened before. So when I went into that office, it was already known that I was going to be a change maker in that office. And everything that they told me that I couldn't do, I did. And I did it because I wanted people that came behind me to be able to do what people don't think you can do, right? And being in that position, having worked with um, women who are amazing leaders in this community, um, I'm a member of the National Organization for Black Law Enforcement Executives. Our president is a black female. So being surrounded by strong women who are empowering other women to be leaders and to exemplify leadership everywhere they go is something that I truly am blessed to have. And being in that office was just an, uh, an opportunity for me to really understand the aspect of law enforcement and then be able to go out and share that with the community. I've done Bridging the Gap activities. I've participated in community outreach efforts that we go into places where people are their most comfortable and talk to them about the issues that are the most uncomfortable. So it's, it was only befitting that I put my hat in the ring. It was no other choice. Yeah, and I and I commend both of you for it's not easy. 
you know, stepping forward. Do you think that what's going on now, prosecutors, you talk about what's happening with the courts, all these different sentencing discussions that are going on just generally when it comes to law enforcement and it seems to be progress happening. Mm -hmm. Are y'all part of this progress? You know, the fact that we got, you know, black women, women, first of all, and then black women stepping forward. I mean, are y'all part of this whole progressive wave? I think the fact that we came out says it, right? The fact that people made a choice to say, I'm willing to put myself on the line for people, right? Sacrifice is major when you do this. Yeah. Um, You know, being a city employee, you have to resign from your job. You quit your job. Right? Not for me, but for everybody else that will benefit from being in that role. So when you take that stand coming out in public, period, whether it was me, her, or anybody else, if you decide to say, I'm willing to sacrifice my personal well-being to stand up for other people, that's a major plus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those sacrifices came early with me being in the institution. Yeah. Because being the president of the Guardian Civic League, I was an active officer. And so, therefore, I had to speak out against the injustice, not only within the department, but also the community. So I started right there inside the department, speaking up and standing up. So, like I said, I stand up for fairness and make sure that people are treated fairly and make sure our community is treated fairly. So doing this... To me, running for the sheriff's office was a is an avenue to better uh, ensure that everybody gets a fair shake, no matter where I'm at. Yeah, and I want to address this briefly, and we don't have to go into details, but the fact that the current sheriff had, uh, you know, allegations related to treatment of women specifically was that did that weigh in either of your decisions to come forward? The fact that women you know, we're in a Me Too space. And and we have a group of women in the Guardian Civic League. We say hashtag us too. And did it weigh? It was probably a part of the decision, but I would rather focus on those mm. victims instead of the perpetrator. Yeah. Yeah. For you? So it definitely was. I worked there. I, I was in the office. So, of course it was because I worked with the people. I worked in that environment. So, Why wouldn't I have an opportunity to stand up for those people and Mm -hmm. every other person over the 30 years that there have been two males in that seat that have been victimized or mistreated or oppressed professionally? Why wouldn't I take an opportunity to stand up for all of them? Yeah. And so now, I mean, there's a lot of work work ahead for both of you. I mean, announcing your candidacy is just step that's the easy step part. one. <laughs> yeah, that's the easy. That's step one. So y'all got y'all got to get out there and whip up the folks. Um, how important is the support of other black women? Because I mean, you know, black women we like super voters. We and and now we're becoming super leaders. Absolutely. Because black women have been stepping up all across these, this country in roles, uh, breaking barriers, and I think that's what's so exciting to me about this particular race. I can't say I ever really um, paid attention to the sheriff's <laughs> race until Did I saw you? some sisters running, and now I'm like, what? A lot of people haven't paid attention to the show. When you can relate a face to a name, and you can relate a face to a seat, you care more about it because it touches you more. Yeah, yeah. So I want to give both of you an opportunity to give a final word and, and to provide details on how to contact you. Um, because I know like over the next several weeks, both of y'all are going to be out here working really, really hard, um, you know, to, to get the word out. So I would say um, finally that we all can acknowledge that change is necessary, but change requires you do something. You can't just say, yeah, we need change and then not do anything. 
So you have to take an action. And I think that when you acknowledge that an action is taken, if you want to support that action, then you move forward with it. But you can't wait for change. You can't wait for somebody to say, "Okay, now it's your turn. In two more years, it'll be your turn. In four more years, it'll be your turn. No, if you see an opportunity to make change and effectuate it, you take it. So um, that's mine. And if you'd like to follow us, we are on Instagram at Malika for Change Now. And our Facebook is Malika for Sheriff. All right. Coming out and stepping up to the plate and to do something in leadership majorly for a political and elected position is is a lot. And I'm willing to do the work for it. Uh, Rochelle Bilal for Sheriff. Uh, you can reach me at RochelleBilal.com. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Knowing me and knowing my history and what I've been doing in this city most of my life, some of that speaks for itself. But to get to know me personally, just hit me out on, on RochelleBilal.com. Everything you need to know about what I do, how I've been, is right there. Yeah. And I'm out here to support everybody. And I'm out here to support any women that wants to stand up and get into any of these elections because it's a plus. Not just one, two. It's a plus. Yeah, and I will say that um, there's a lot of people that are going to be paying attention to this race now because you two ladies have decided to step up and to do this. And I commend both of you. Uh, It takes a lot of courage um, to do this and to come up with a plan and to um, and to present yourselves in this light. So I want to say congratulations for taking the first step. And I hope everybody checks out um, both Malika Rahman and Rochelle Bilal. They gave you their information. We'll include it on our website. There are two candidates for Philadelphia Sheriff. Good luck to you on your history making efforts. And thank you so much for appearing on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thank, thank you. you. Next up, it's a nonprofit for musically gifted kids, but they don't teach music. We've developed an entire curriculum. A Philadelphia Orchestra member's effort to break musician stereotypes. We'll be right back. 